Macro Podcast number 374 for September 18th, 2013. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. We've been building up to this day for a long time, and by this day, I mean, of course, the release of iOS 7. And who better to join me than the man who has been all over iOS 7 since the release of the first developer preview? Let's talk to that man now. I'm joined by Dan Morin, the man responsible for Macworld's iOS 7 review. Welcome, Dan. Hey, Chris. Good to be here. So a lot of people are likely to be initially thrown by iOS 7's look, but beyond the radically different design of the thing, are their existing features pretty much where they've been in the past? By and large, yeah. I, I agree that I think it's going to be a big change for people. Uh, I was <laughs> My doctor recently asked me when I was in there, oh, iOS 7, what's that like? And I, uh, I said, well, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of different. And he's like, yeah, I saw some of that. It looks it looks pretty it looks pretty different from what I'm using right now. So you know, it's definitely permeated the consciousness of people. Um, in terms of how things work, it's still the familiar the same familiar iOS that we've used by and large since the original iPhone, with refinements as as Apple has added along the way. Um, but I think beyond getting used to that different look, you're going to find that most things behave about the way you expect them to. Tapping and swiping, those are still things we do. Uh, app icons are pretty much going to you know, be in the same place. They might look a little different. Um, the Navigating the home screen is, for the most part, pretty much the same. The There are a couple minor differences. The spotlight menu is one, I think, that particularly comes up. Used to be you, sw- you swiped all the way back past the first home screen, and you got your little search field there. Um, now you pull down on the icons, which is a little tricky because you also pull down for notification center, but it's, it's a different gesture. It might take some getting used to, but it's, it's a nice improvement in that it means that the spotlight menu is now available no matter which home screen you're on. You don't have to go to a special place for it. It's always there. You just need to swipe down to, to expose it. Um, beyond that, folders are a little bit different. Um, you can have fewer items on a screen of a folder, but you can have multiple screens within a folder. So you don't need to have two different games folders because you ran out of room in the first one. Um, you can have multiple screens within your single games folder, but on each screen you'll only see nine items, whereas on the iPhone you used to see 12, and on the iPad I believe you used to see 20. So that's a little bit of a change. Um, but aside from those, and, and with the addition of a couple new features here and there, things are, are pretty similar. Okay. So when Scott Forstall was running things, there was a lot of skeuomorphic elements, meaning that there was leather and staples and stitching and, and all this other kind of stuff that was supposed to look like real-world objects. Now that Johnny Ive has taken over, how thoroughly has that stuff been banished? pretty thoroughly. Um, we haven't seen new examples of everything yet. Some of the apps like uh, the third party, or not third party, but the, the apps that Apple doesn't include with iOS, like iBooks and Find My Friends and Find My iPhone. Obviously, we haven't gotten a good look at what those are going to look like under iOS 7. But in, of all the included apps, you're going to find that pretty much all the skeuomorphism is gone. And now it used to be kind of weirdly divided. There were some apps that were very heavily skeuomorphic. You had things like Game Center with its crazy green felt. And on the iPad, you had Calendar with its leather stitching. But you also had things like Safari and Mail, which were much more conservative and uh, much more consistent going back to the original iPhone as well. And they had a very utilitarian look at them. 
in iOS 7, they've kind of wiped all of that and, and merged into a brand new look, which I think was a smart move because you, you have consistency now that you didn't have before, which is to say things operated very similarly in the old iOS in terms of where, what widgets look like and where they went. But you had this weird sort of, you know, design that could be skeuomorphic or not. Mm-hmm. And so now we've got this more unified idea of almost every app has this, takes advantage of this design vocabulary that they've set up with iOS 7 so that it's much more portable. Once you get adjusted to that, I think it's very easy to go between apps and say, okay, this all looks very consistent. But yeah, the the skeuomorphic elements are pretty much wiped out almost entirely. Okay, so do you have any personal reactions to the design? So does it seem to you to enhance the usability of the device or is this a case where form may dominate function? I think it takes some getting used to, but as I've used it, it's really grown on me. Uh, There's a lot of things I like about it. It's very clean. It's very high contrast in a lot of places. Um, You know, a lot of times you have this sort of dark blue text on a stark white background, which makes things, I think, very readable, even though it does use a lighter, a lighter weight font that's a bit thinner. But I think that overall, it's, it's a really nice look. It, It looks, it doesn't sort of completely depart from what we were used to, but it does lend it sort of a more modern sheen to it. Um, we've seen, you know, Android and Windows Phone and these other OSs come up as as iOS has remained relatively stable. And so uh, having this new look makes it look as though, oh, you know, we, we've updated it. This is something new. This is something that speaks more to like where mobile phone development is now. I mean, we're not building things up in the way we were over the last six years where we were continually making tweaks here and there. We've kind of said, all right, the lot, a lot has changed in this in the mobile industry. Let's just sort of restart over. So there are things that are still uh, that I find annoying. I find particularly they've foregone the use of sort of obvious buttons with like button outlines for just mm-hmm. text. So it's a little more, it's almost like navigating a web page in some ways. You got to look for like, oh, okay, that's a text button. I can click on that. Sometimes it's hard to figure that out, but you, you there's a lot of cues in terms of where things are positioned. Um, there's also times, I think toggles are difficult. Uh, the music app in particular is one where um, it's hard to tell, are you shuffling your music right now? Is shuffle selected or do I press it to then shuffle the music? So they, they've been working on that, and I think that they've, you know, as iOS 7 has developed, they've tried to come up with ways that are make that a little more easier to interpret, but it's still a little more confusing than, than what we saw before. But, but overall, I, I think though it takes some getting used to and though it's definitely going to be a big adjustment for people, uh, I'm a fan. And going back and looking at, you know, the, some of the devices I have on iOS 6, they look, they look a little uh, fuddy-duddy now, I have to say. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The one area where I have problems is in Safari, where I'm trying to differentiate a folder from a bookmark, mm-hmm. because they're both outlines. And so right. you really have to pay attention, because before, a folder was very obviously a folder, because right. it, I don't know, it probably had stitching on it somewhere. <laughs> but now it's really like they're both blue outlines, and you have to really focus on them and go, oh, oh right, okay, so that's a folder, but that one is a bookmark. And that's one area where I wish they go, yeah, maybe, I know you wanted to kind of keep the thin look, but there I would have preferred a little shading just so I could immediately tell the difference. Yeah, yeah, it's very simple. I mean, that there is an emphasis on these very simple line drawings and schematics right from the toolbars, which now, you know, when they used to have a little more detailed gradient-like images, like in the music app, you know, albums and, mm-hmm. and artists and all that, that's now turned into a very, very simple, you know, two-color drawing, essentially, in pretty much any place. So it, it's a very simple 
simple, elegant look. But yeah, I, I agree with you that there's times where they reduce it maybe a little bit past what is actually useful. Right. So what are the key new features that will compel people to upgrade? Well, uh, the one that's tops on my list actually is Control Center, and that's because it's something that a lot of us have wanted for a really long time, which is a central place to get at many of the frequently accessed features of our device. And when I say frequently accessed, I mean things you want to access frequently, not necessarily things that were easy to access frequently. So if you turn on and off airplane mode or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or do not disturb, uh, those were all kind of a pain because it meant navigating to the settings app and oftentimes going one or two levels down in order to find the switch, turn it off, which was great until you had to go turn it back on again and repeat the whole process. And so in order to simplify that, there's now a slide up panel. If you flick up from the bottom of your phone, you can access control center. And so it's got easy access to all those features I just named, along with a few other uh, additional features that I think people will find handy. There's now a brightness slider in the control center for the iPhone, which it did not have before. Um, they've also relocated a bunch of the stuff that you used to have to double press the home button and then swipe to the right to reveal all the media playback controls and volume and all that. All of that is now exposed in control center as well. They've brought it all in one place. So there's a lot of options for quickly accessing things. Uh, they've also thrown in these sort of quick launch buttons for things like calculator and timer and camera, which are all things that obviously you might want quick access to without having to dig through your phone. Most of those things are accessible even from the lock screen, unless you disable it. And there's even a little button to use the iPhone's flash as a flashlight. So sorry, flashlight makers, but <laughs> you guys might be out of luck. Yeah, maybe so. Well, how effective do you think the um, effect of zooming in and out of layers on uh, iOS 7 is? Well, the layered approach is interesting because I think it's one of those things that is kind of most useful subconsciously. Um, it gives you kind of a, a way of orienting yourself in the same way that you might look at a map, which is to say you kind of know where features are because they're in these layers that, oh, you know, I want to get to control center, so I need to slide the thing up and over, right? That's, mm -hmm. It's not a skeuomorphic design, but it's almost kind of a skeuomorphic gesture, right? As right. though you were pulling up something or pulling down a shade to get to notification center. And I, and I think that, you know, to some people that makes sense because it gives sort of a location to things that they might otherwise not have. Oh, where was that feature? It's four settings deep in settings. Well, I'm never going to remember that. You know, when my when my parents asked me, you know, my mom asked about my, her iPad, whoa, how do I turn this thing on? And I have to explain there's like five different taps to do it. And she kind of glazes over after yeah, one yeah. or two. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's a that's a cool idea. Some people don't love the translucency. I think it's kind of neat because along with the lock screen, which now has this really big edge to edge wallpaper design, I think it, it lends a better air of personalization. It used to be, you know, on the old phone, you'd have kind of you put your wallpaper on the phone, but you'd have that huge clock and then right. the, the unlock slider. And you'd be sitting there like, oh, look, that's my wallpaper. It's right in between. Now your wallpaper fills the entire screen. And it really looks great, I think. And it gives you a great opportunity to sort of say, like, this is my phone. It looks very distinct from other people's phones. Right. So how has Siri been improved? Well, they've done a couple things. The first is to the interface. Um, and both, there's, there's sort of two elements of the interface, right? There's the interface we see when we hold down the home button and Siri pops up. That now, it sort of fades in on top of everything. You still get that translucent look through. And instead of the little, uh, there's still that microphone icon that we've all come to know. But instead of like a little level meter that goes up and down when you talk, there's a sound wave graphic they say oh siri can tell when you're talking now it's like well technically i could do that before it's just <laughs> yeah, we really just changed the way it looked we didn't right. change the way it worked um 
But it's also one of the other nice things is it prompts you when you open it up to say, hey, you can say things like, and it gives you like six or six or seven examples of things that you can say, which is a great jumping off point for people. And of course, it's still got a little help button so you can look through stuff. Um, they've also changed the voices. They've updated them to a little bit more natural sounding voices. And for the first time in the U.S., you can get both a either a male or female voice. I think the, the voices sound much better, especially if you go back and compare them to the earlier mm -hmm. voices. Um they're still not going to trick anybody into thinking you're talking to a person, um, be especially because everybody knows those voices now. But it, they are definitely sound more friendly and more human, and there's the cadences, I think, are better than they used to be. So uh -huh. it sounds a little more natural, which is, which is great. Um, and then in terms of the capabilities, they've changed. They've added a lot of stuff, um, and some of it's even <laughs> hard to find sometimes, some of it, because you have to sort of dig through it and figure out what all the new things are. But uh, a couple of the things off the top of my head are it can actually read your emails now. It can read them aloud to you, which is pretty cool. So if you're you know driving and you see a notification pop up from your boss or your spouse, you can say, hey, Siri, read me that last email or read the last email from my wife or read the last email from my boss, and Siri will actually read that to you. Um, you can also search for tweets. Um, I think that system is a little bit, it's still a little clunky right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a lot of expanded stuff with uh, the, the partners they've had. You know, they have movies and sports. Um, they've pretty much, I think, tweaked a little bit of almost everything when it comes to Siri in terms of trying to uh, flesh out the capabilities. And I think that, well, Siri, I'm sort of up and down on Siri. I, I really like the concept, but all it really takes is anybody who's used Siri for any long period of time knows is that one time where it's like, I'm really sorry about this, but I can't take any requests right now. And you <laughs> right, just, right. You, you switch from swearing by Siri to swearing at Siri pretty uh -huh. quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the other things I really do like about the new version, though, is it does a much better job of mimicking what Google kind of does with its voice search in terms of being able to give you answers to questions without just saying here's a web search like go have fun um if you ask it certain factual questions it will often respond to you um audibly so mm -hmm. for example if you ask it like I, know, I was asking like you know how old is william shatner and it will be like william shatner is 87 years old i don't know <laughs> that's probably <laughs> no no bill really we don't yeah, think you're that he old. looks great yeah. he looks great fabulous um but it will actually tell you aloud you know and i think that's that's nice too because they, it, it felt kind of lame when it would just kick you over to like a web search or a wikipedia entry i mean now it actually has nicely formatted wikipedia capsules that provide just like a little bit of information but you can go to the full article um they, they've done a much better job of enhancing how it works with those web-based services so apple has famously been criticized for its map data has that improved any in ios 7 if you're looking for map improvements in ios 7 i wouldn't really hold your breath that much there are a couple nice little tweaks in the app in terms of uh, for example, if you search for directions and, and map says, hey, that place is pretty close, close to you, it'll give you walking and driving directions. Um, and when you, um, when you sort of search for a location and tap on it and it gives you that little quick route button, it'll now give you, even before you hit directions, it'll give you a rough ETA of how long it will take you to get there. In terms of the data, Apple said pretty much nothing about this during WWC mm -hmm. or during its iPhone event the other week. Um, it's been slowly improving stuff as it's gone along. I have found that has it has improved in some ways, but it doesn't feel you know they haven't come out and been like, "Hey, we've totally revamped everything with maps, and it's now great." Right? Um, yeah, yeah. I, 
So I, they've definitely been they've been acquiring a number of map companies and a number of public transit companies. So for me, I, I feel like there's probably going to be another big push on maps next year in iOS eight. Um, but right now, I if you're looking for a substantial improvement, I don't think you're going to see it night and day going from iOS seven, iOS six to iOS seven. It's still pulling from the same data, so you're going to get the same stuff they've been improving for the last year. But you're not going to get a whole new maps experience. Okay. Well, iOS seven is supposed to be more secure than previous versions. So how is that so? Well, there's a few features that play into that. Uh, one is I believe you'll now be prompted when you set up your phone to create a passcode, which I don't believe iOS did in earlier versions. Um, they're, they're trying to push that a little bit more. You can still opt not to do that, of course, but I think they're going to try to be a little more diligent with that, uh, and especially if you're using an iPhone 5S, which none of us are yet. But if you are and you want to use the little fingerprint feature, you're going to need to create a passcode in order mm -hmm. to set that up. Uh, another thing that they've added is called activation lock. And it works in conjunction with Find My iPhone and basically says that if you try to re, you know, reset or restore an iPhone that is uh, already in use, it will prompt you for your uh, iCloud login or your Apple ID and your password. So that means that it's a lot easier to prevent those phones from getting sort of put back into circulation. Um, I, it's tricky because someone will probably come up with a way to circumvent that in some way. Um, but it is certainly a deterrent in many ways. If it's harder to turn around a stolen phone, you'll probably mm -hmm. see the market for those decrease. Um, there's another, I mean, other minor feature, I think, that they, you can, if you put a message up on your lock screen saying, uh, you know, here's my phone number, this is my phone, it's lost. I think that sticks around even if you remotely wipe your phone. Used to be you remotely wiped your phone. It's sort of the last case scenario where it's like, well... I'm never getting it back, and I want to make sure that that person doesn't have access to my data. Uh, but now you can actually wipe the phone and still leave that notification up there. So that's that's nice and might help you retrieve phones. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see what the effect of that is. But I, I'm hopeful that it might help cut down these. <laughs> there's you know quite a lot of robbery of smartphones in general and iPhones in particular. Well, you certainly hope that these people who steal phones pay attention to our I'm articles sure yeah, and well, other things, right? Because it's yeah. like, well, I didn't know that. What? You mean I can't reset this phone? Uh, well, it's great, though, because then if you leave that message up there, they'll sheepishly come back to you and be like, yeah, I totally found your phone somewhere on the street. Like, But hey, you get your phone back. You know, I'm, I know plenty of people who would probably be willing to say, hey, I'll take the phone. Let's just go our separate ways and pretend this never happened. Yeah. Well, also, I think it's important to underscore the fact that... Um, in order to reset your phone, it's your Apple ID, not the passcode that you entered into your right. phone. Correct. Um, the passcode, I think, it gets automatically wiped when you wipe your phone, too, or if someone tries to restore it. So um, that, your data basically is then secure. Uh, but yeah, your Apple ID. So, well, if they manage to hack that, then you're still in trouble. Right. So what under the hood uh, changes does iOS 7 bring that will make our iDevice lives easier or more productive? Well, there's a, there's a few. Multitasking, I think, is the big one that Apple has spent some time on. Uh, this comes in a couple of ways. First of all, there's a, there's an interface change. Uh, we have, instead of the old multitasking bar of icons that would show up when you double-press the home button, you now get more of a card-like view. You can swipe through these, essentially what are look screenshots, basically, of your apps, sort of their last state. Um, I think it's a little bit nicer. It's a little bit more friendly. Uh, if you want to force quit an app, which many of us have had to do, it used to be you tapped on an icon and holded it, and then that little like do you know 
clothes widget showed up in the top corner and you had to aim your finger and tap just that part. Now it's a lot easier to just flick the screenshot off the screen and it force quits the app. Um, it's also handy f- because it adds a certain amount of multitasking capability. I, I think um, if you are looking at, if you're say you're writing an email and you want to refer to something that's in a web page or a calendar or something, you don't have to switch to that app and bring it to the foreground. You can actually just go into the multitasking interface, scroll back to where your app was and go, oh yeah, that's the thing I was trying to figure out. I use it a lot for the uh, uh, entering the two-factor authentication pins because I can sort of you know jump back to my two-factor authentication app and go, oh yeah, there, that was the mm-hmm. uh, that's the number. I can go put it in now. So that's the sort of front-facing issue. Now on the back end, They've opened up multitasking quite a bit. It used to be starting in iOS 4 when they first added multitasking that they said, oh, we're, we're very con- concerned about battery life. We don't want to just make you know the Wild West of, of multitasking because all those apps will chew up your battery life, your phone will die, and you'll be really upset with us. And we'll be like, well, you probably shouldn't have been running that many apps, but you probably won't feel that much better about that. So they've, they added, they basically allowed certain types of apps that really needed background processing to run there, like fitness tracking, um, Skype call type things, uh, music playing in the background. So you had a few tasks that could be done in the background. With iOS 7, they've, they've opened it up. Um, and so to address those concerns of, wait, 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 you know, three years ago, you said all your battery life would go away if we did this. They said, well, you know, we've come up with some technologies that we think will help reduce that. For example, we can make apps that want to get uh, download information from the Internet do it all at the same time. We can have them look for it when it's on Wi-Fi instead of on cellular. We can do all these things to sort of make sure that we're doing it as efficiently as possible and it's not just apps left and right downloading things from the internet. Um, And it's going to be a little bit of time before we figure out exactly how well that plays out in the real world because developers need to update their apps in order to take advantage of some of these new features. But in theory, it will mean that, you know, you switch to your Twitter client or your Facebook and you still you know, get a brand new list of all your tweets when you come in. You don't have to wait for it to reload or your RSS feeds or what have you. Apple also says it can prioritize apps that it determines you use frequently, like a social networking app, as opposed to apps where you might use more on a regular schedule, like if you check the news when you wake up in the morning or when you finish work in the afternoon. It can figure that out and sort of preload that information. But again, we're going to need to wait and see how developers take advantage of that. Okay. Well, speaking of developers, from what you've heard, should there be any difficulty in finding compatible versions of your favorite third-party iOS apps? I, I think it's unlikely. Um, in fact, they've uh, Apple's made this a little bit easier in some ways. One of the other nice new features of iOS 7 is automatic app updates. So if you're like me and sometimes you let those app updates pile up and you look at that little red badge on the App Store icon and go, oh, I have to download like 13 new apps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, once, I once left my old, I, when I got my new iPad mini, I put the old iPad on a desk somewhere and I booted it up like months later. I had like 69 yeah, yeah. updates. That's like, oh, come on. But now the apps will update in the background. Um, you can set it to do it on a Wi-Fi connection or if you're really you know, crazy on a cellular connection, but it still won't download ones over a certain amount. Um, but that that's great because it means that those updates will get pushed out automatically. And it's not like you have to go over and install all the software for, you know, your, your friend who doesn't like technology or your parents or your brother, sister, whatever. Um, and for, in that case, I think that uh, apps that get updated to be more iOS 7 compatible should just appear on your device once you've uh, you know installed iOS 7 and those those developers have updated their apps. There may be some search situations where 
new versions of the apps might require you to go out and rebuy the app. I mean, iOS 7 is, after all, a pretty big change, as we were talking about in design. Some developers are redesigning their apps to fit in a little better with that new design. And because there are no paid upgrades in the App Store, it's either an all or nothing proposition. So some folks have already updated their apps. Um, pcalc which is a great calculator app uh, james thompson the developer of that updated it just this past week it looks great it's very it's you know gorgeous and recognizably pcalc even though it's got sort of an ios tinge to it now so i would i wouldn't worry about that too much okay do you have any concern about the auto updates in that maybe somebody issues a buggy update and they know sure. it but the app store is slow to replace it with a good version or roll back the one so you've automatically downloaded the updated version that's no good that's definitely a worry um uh, it's it's not something that happens super often but it does definitely happens um i think to me it feels like apple now needs to take responsibility for having an easier way to roll back updates which mm -hmm. it doesn't really have right now there's no way for a developer to be like oh man we just released this update and it's buggy and we want to like take it back <laughs> Basically yeah. impossible. Um, so I, I think it's the onus is on Apple to sort of figure out either a way to let developers very, very quickly push out fixes in cases like that um, or to find some way of retracting those updates or blocking them from getting automatically updated. But uh, in the system itself, there's there's really no way to deal with that, unfortunately. The, uh, it does at least, if you go into the App Store, um, and you have automatic updates on, you can turn it off if you would like. Mm -hmm. um, it does list apps that were recently updated, which is nice. So like, like you, you might not know because unless you catch that like three seconds when your app updates and it's got a new, this little icon that goes around in a circle on it, you might not realize that it's been updated. So every once in a while, I still go into the app store and browse, oh, hey, there's these four op apps that got updated. And it's, oh, this one's got this nice new feature. I should remember to check that out. But that's only because I have like a ton of apps. So what are some of your favorite features? Well, as I said, Control Center is definitely up there. Actually, one of the other great ones I really love is the Photos app has been really redone. Um, and it's added a couple new features. I, I was a fan of the shared photo streams that we got in iOS 6, but was kind of disappointed that they were they were one way. So if I right. shared a photo stream with you, you couldn't post photos to it. Only I could post photos to it. And so if you wanted to also share photos with me, we had to have two separate photo streams. Mm -hmm. So now they've actually set up a system whereby you can invite other people and they can be allowed to contribute. So you can have a pool like with your friends and say, hey, we, we're going on a trip together. Let's uh, collect all our photos. And, right. and you can set up a photo stream to share that. That's great. They reorganized the photos app in terms of how it stores the photos you take with your device, which is a godsend for me because i'm one of those guys who like takes a ton of pictures i mean i've got pictures going back to like my second iphone and it's, it was just this one long camera roll and so yeah. if you wanted to find something you were like scrolling through like three thousand pictures and so now it actually does a great job of breaking it down kind of like a iphoto on the mac does events um this does i think they call them moments <laughs> um which is yeah well if you haven't felt old yet you will have to yeah, this yeah. oh yeah this is my moment here mm. um so it sort of it looks at where they were taken and when your pictures were taken and groups them into little moments that you can quickly browse through. And so it has like a list. As you scroll through it, it'll give you the dates and the location. And you can say, oh, this is my trip to California. Oh, here's my trip to Europe. You know, and it's it's much easier to find these things. Mm -hmm. um, and if you sort of zoom out even further, it'll, it has collections, which it will group. 
um, you know, multiple areas together. Here's where you were for these three months. And if you zoom out even further, it does a whole year view and sort of lists the highlights of your year. And it has these great little photo mosaics. So you can actually even tell on the retina displays, hey, oh, yeah, that's a group of photos I, I took. Even though there's tiny little thumbnails. And if you sort of tap on one of them and drag your finger around, it will pop up a little a bigger thumbnail. It's it's fantastic. I think that's it for me. It's just made using photos and and browsing photos on my devices so much more of a delight and so much easier when I'm looking for a particular photo. I did that just today. I was like, oh, I wanted to see a photo that I took last year when I was at a conference in Montreal. And in the old you know iOS system, I would have been scrolling back through my photos trying to find. Okay, I recognize that that was near that was near the right time, and it would take me a couple minutes. It took me about ten seconds to find it, and so I think that's fantastic. Cool. And I'll put in a plug for iTunes Radio. I think that's going to be pretty great. And Yeah, uh, I, I know you're a fan of that. I haven't used a lot of streaming services, and I know you have. So I, I'm interested to give that a try a little bit more and see if it uh, it can supplement some of my... I, I don't find a lot of new music these days. I find I tend to listen to my iTunes library, but it's nice to have that as an option just built right in. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people who haven't used any kind of streaming services before will find this sure. is an eye-opener that it really does change the way you listen to music and discover new artists and i think ultimately apple and the artists are going to benefit because there's that buy yeah. button on every single screen people will buy the music if you if you serve it so they will come they will um, i'll put in a plug also for uh, airdrop which oh, is yeah. an interesting uh feature and and so if you're a mac user you you probably used airdrop because it's been around for a while now where essentially you have two devices in this case uh ios devices and you want to share a photo with someone who's standing 10 feet from you uh, and used to be you have to either text it to them or email it to them but if you don't have their contact information obviously if it's someone you just met um then or if it's a friend of a friend or something like that you might not it, it can become kind of a pain so airdrop is basically a way to transfer files ad hoc between multiple people over wi-fi um it's pretty good I've had some glitches with the, there's basically two settings, one that's open to everybody and one that's limited to your contacts. And the contacts one I find can be a little bit finicky. You need to have the person's like iCloud information, like mm -hmm. iCloud uh, address in your contacts book associated with that person. And sometimes they don't show up correctly. The everyone one seems to work. It's just a matter of whether you want to be walking around sort of like <laughs> having people offering to send you photos all the time. Right, um, right. And, and the one peculiarity with it that I haven't quite figured out is though we have a Mac system called AirDrop and an iOS system called AirDrop, they don't talk to each other, uh, which seems perplexing to me. <laughs> yeah, huh, yeah. It's a weird choice, but... Okay, well, speaking of things that may not work so well for you, are there any features that you're not particularly fond of? <sighs> well, I mean, there's always the usual assortment of bugs, um, and especially with a, with a .0 release. Um, there's a lot of things that can get a little bit glitchy. Notification Center, I really, I really want to like more of it. I like the Today View, which is kind of new, mm -hmm. where it gives you a sort of a summary of what you have to look forward to in the day. I think that the All Notifications tab in there, which is sort of mimics what Notification Center currently does or currently just did in, in iOS 6 and earlier, is still kind of pointless. It's just a huge, like, it's all of your all of your notifications from all of your apps and it's just like it's it's useless to me because it's just too much information and so uh, and you can't clear individual notifications they did add this missed tab so specifically for dealing with notifications that you missed but i find that a little glitchy in terms of things that i think should show up there don't always show up there um i i'm still 
a little bummed that um, though they added options to be notified only for text messages or Game Center notifications that come from your contacts instead of just anybody, there's only still VIPs for mail. You can't just say, I want to be notified for any email I get from someone who's in my address book. You can mm -hmm. only do it by assigning them to a VIP list. So there, there's a lot of little things sort of in and, there, in and out that are, are things that I'm disappointed didn't get updated in this version. Um, but overall, I've been, I think m I'm more positive than negative about this, this update. Though, again, as we said, it, it'll take some getting used to. Right. Well, let's talk about updating. Um, what about the advisability of updating an older iOS device? Well, there are some features that will be available on all phones. And as always, there are some features that won't be available on older phones. Um, in particular, I think some of the camera features don't show up on uh, older devices. Um, there are these new live filters, um, which sort of, yeah, everyone knows filters, right? There's, there's yeah. filters there. As I was saying somewhere else the other day, like, I like the idea of filters, but I think they've become a little uh, oversaturated, if you'll pardon the expression. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it does a, it does a live preview of it. So as you select a filter, even while you're actually like swinging your camera around, it'll show you what that picture will look like in that filter. Um, but the, because that requires a little more graphical horsepower, I think that only works in the iPhone 5 um, or later. You can still apply filters after the fact on an iPhone 4 or later, I believe. Um, AirDrop requires a specific type of Wi-Fi chip, which I think only exists on the iPhone 5 and the new 5C and 5S and the 4th generation iPad, iPad mini, and the 5th generation iPod Touch. Um, Siri is still only available on the 4S or later or the more recent iPads and iPod Touches, um, and I think a couple of the other smaller uh, photo features. Uh, obviously, there's a bunch of stuff that we saw for the iPhone 5S last week, most of which doesn't exist on earlier devices. So mm -hmm. it's not bad. In terms of performance, I haven't had a chance to really check out and see how it works on an older device, but I've heard some reports it can be kind of sluggish on the iPhone 4 and 4S. Um, I think generally you'll find that sort of uh, the current version. So the iPhone 5 should be fine. I don't think you'll have any problems with that. An iPhone 4S might be a little bit slower. And then an iPhone 4, kind of, you know, where that 3GS used to fall that, fill that slot of sort of the oldest iPhone on the market. I mm -hmm. think the iPhone 4 might drag a bit on iOS 7, but uh, it's your mileage may vary. Right. So beyond the performance with older hardware, are there reasons why you might not want to upgrade or at least wait for a while? Well, there's always bugs, and it's hard to tell because those things are very hit or miss in terms of whether they'll affect you. I don't think there's anything to my mind that's a total like, oh, my God, you can't update. Like like we got last year, some people said, well, Maps. Maps is so bad in iOS 6, you don't want to update. But now you've got you know the Google Maps app, and I think Apple's Maps itself has improved. Uh, there's nothing of that magnitude, it feels like, to me. I think you might start to get some people who say, well, the design is terrible, and I'm never going to upgrade. First of all, don't say never, because that makes you look silly when you eventually upgrade. Um, <laughs> but its I don't think that there's anything that's huge, and some of it is just going to be a matter of getting adjusted to the way things have changed. I'm sure there are some small features that have been tweaked that some people will be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they changed X. That was the only feature I ever used. This operating system is ruined. 
Um, but, but by and large, I, I think this is clearly the vision of where Apple is going forward, right? This is, this is what their, the OS is going to look like for a few years. They're not going to like turn around next year and be like, just kidding. <laughs> We're going yeah, back yeah, to yeah. iOS 6. So, you know, there's, you're only really, <laughs> you're shooting your foot to spite your face or something like that in, in terms <laughs> of not, in terms of not upgrading. I, I think it's, especially because it's a free update and there is so much good stuff in here. Right. But as you well know, there are going to be cries of, I'm going to Android right now. Because, well, I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> nice I, knowing you. <laughs> I think that's the answer. Yeah. So, okay. So let's suppose you have upgraded to iOS 7 and then you really, really, really hate it, but you don't want to jump to an Android. Can you go back to iOS 6? Well, not like officially, there's no Apple doesn't provide a service for saying, okay, here's uh, here's the secret switch where you download or you go back to uh, your earlier version. But people usually figure out a way within uh, a few weeks of saying, all right, if you really don't like it, you can downgrade back to uh, an earlier version of iOS. Sometimes that causes problems with some of the more like low level components, firmware mm -hmm. and baseband, that kind of stuff. But I, I know people who have done it. Um, again, your mileage may vary, um, but there's there's no official way to do it. And you know, I, I think it's one of those things where uh, you know, remember when they uh, when Apple changed the scrolling direction in yeah. Lion, mm -hmm. and a lot of people would scream bloody murder, and then some of us used it for like a week or two, and we're like, eh, I kind of get used to it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like that's kind of how things go with iOS seven. It's like you're gonna you're gonna have that first week or two where you're like, what is going on? Where am I? Um, but it's also kind of fun because you get to like explore this entirely new system, and, and there's cool stuff in there. Um, but I think after a week or two, you just you, you get used to it and you'll you won't think about you, next year we'll all be saying oh remember how funny it was when calendar had leather stitching that was hilarious yeah well you're right because with the new look you go back and look at ios 6 and i have some devices running each you go back to ios 6 and it does look cartoonish yeah in looks some outdated cases yeah yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I I think it's just a matter of time, and you got to give yourself a, a little time to get acclimated to it. But I, I think on the whole, it's positive. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's that's the final question. So, final judgment: Should our listeners dash out and upgrade their devices on day one? No, Apple is doomed. No. Um, <laughs> well, day one's always a little interesting because I think that sometimes the servers get pretty uh, slowed down, so you might spend a lot more time waiting for it to update. Um, I recommend these days, especially almost every uh, current iOS device has over the air updates, which is great because you don't have to mm -hmm. plug into iTunes anymore. Fantastic. Um, eventually that will pop up on your device and say, hey, there's a software update available. I think if you say then, sure, I'll go ahead and install it. That's fine. Uh, but if you want to wait a couple days and just see, like, you know, wait till sort of things calm down, I think there's, you probably might go in better informed, but there's no reason really not to upgrade on day one. If you're waiting for like the bug fixes, you're probably going to be waiting a couple weeks is my guess, um, before the first version that comes out, uh, you know, to like a 701 or something like that comes mm -hmm. out to, to patch some problems. And believe me, there, there are still some, some rough edges in there. Um, but you know, I, I think that within, you know, within a few weeks, there's no reason not to update. Yeah, and I I might add that if you're the kind of person and you're aware that you don't like change, yeah, um, do wait and see what other people say. Get a good look at at the screenshots and and videos that will arrive when this thing finally sure. ships in its final form, because then you can really get a good idea and not sort of have that reaction of, well, I can't go back, and how dare Apple do this to me? Right. And make your spouse or significant other or 
coworker update to it or something like that. Yeah. And see how you like it there. And then, you know, make them your guinea pig. I think right. Or if you have a couple of devices, as many of us do, sure. if you have an iPod yeah. Touch, for example, update that one and not your phone. Live with it for a while and see if you like it. And if so, update the other one. And if not, okay. So you've got, yeah. you're running two different operating systems. I will say it's, uh, I've got my, my iPad mini is still running iOS 6 in part because when I was writing the review, I was using it for some comparison factors. Mm-hmm. Um, but as increasingly as I went on using it on my on my iPad Mini, I was like, I can't wait till I upgrade this to iOS seven. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I feel like that's that's kind of the indicator for me is like I've got two of them running side by side, and I just think to myself, why why, why am I still using this? Yeah. Well, because you do because you're a writer and you need I know, to make I'm, those. I know. I must. Yeah, you must. My our readers demand it. Exactly right. And speaking of our readers, our readers can use their reading eyeballs. Those eyeballs. To read your review of comprehensive review of iOS 7, which is on Macworld.com at this very moment. And uh, thanks for writing the review. Thank you for your time. And thank you for just being you, Dan. Well, my pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'd like to thank Dan Morin and, of course, you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you around.